First Timothy. First Timothy is where we find ourselves for just a few moments. And I want to preach just a brief message that I pray will encourage you as you go to First Timothy chapter number one. First Timothy chapter number one. Verse number one. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, you find that Paul is writing to a discouraged Timothy, if you would. Um, And one of the things that Paul does right off the bat is he uses a statement in chapter number 1 to get Timothy to understand, to get his eyes off of himself and to get his eyes back onto the Lord. Uh, And it's something that I believe it it affected uh, those who were surrounding Timothy Paul does the exact same thing as he is uh, addressing Titus, and we're going to look at that here in a few moments. But notice what the Bible says. We're going to notice three things concerning this statement being made in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, notice this next statement, which is our hope. Which is our hope. Now, This evening, we find that to be something of of some comfort. You ought to find comfort in the fact that Christ is your hope. Um, As you live in a a society, in a world that is without hope, there are many who are hopeless feeling. Uh, There are many who are searching for that hope. And as Christians, we have that hope. And I want to share with you tonight just three areas in which we can rejoice in this statement, which is our hope. Notice with me the first way in which we can rejoice. Christ, our hope, concerning the simple fact that He's our Savior. He's our Savior. And that's such a comforting thought. Go with me, if you would, for just a moment to Titus. And in Titus, this same word is used, that word of hope is used. In chapter number 1 of the book of Titus, verse number 2, you see this this hope that is given concerning our Savior. In Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse number 2 of the book of Titus, "...in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began." Notice that first statement, in hope of eternal life. What a, what a blessed hope that is. Matter of fact, that statement, blessed hope, is also used. Go with me to chapter number 3, if you would, in verse number 7. And we'll get to chapter number 2 here in just a little while. But in verse number 7 of chapter number 3 of the book of Titus, the Bible says that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And this evening, you can rejoice in Christ your hope because He is your Savior. And what a, what a blessed uh, Savior He is. What a blessed opportunity we have to call Him our Savior. And as you look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1, Timothy is discouraged. Paul is writing to, once again, a discouraged Timothy. And he gets his eyes off of himself because of Paul very simply stating, Jesus Christ, which is our hope. As a child of God, there are many times when you may find yourself discouraged, you may find yourself going through seasons of discouragement or difficulty or circumstances that aren't pleasant. And we always go back to this right here, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. Why are you able to look unto Jesus? Because He's your hope. You see, I love my family and I love my wife, but my wife can only provide only so much comfort. She's not my hope. Uh, My children, uh, Holly is one of the sweetest little things there ever was, but... She can only provide so much comfort and so much hope. Matter of fact, she provides very little hope, all right? She can't do as much. Jesus Christ can solve all issues. Jesus Christ can provide all hope. Paul addresses Timothy here, and he makes that statement, which is our hope. It's It's a simple understanding of a shifted focus, if you would. If you really want to find yourself evaluating in a proper manner your life and your decisions and your way of life, then shift your focus into saying, how, how do I want to approach this? No, 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 not how do you want to approach this, because if you go by how you want to approach it, you'll only be in your comfort. 
If you say, no, Lord, how would you have for me to approach this? Sometimes the Lord's going to say, I want you to do it this way. I've never done it this way. That's okay. Trust in me. I'm your hope. Trust in me. Lean on me. Number two, not only do we see Christ our hope concerning our Savior here, but also in verses 1 through 5, notice what the Bible says. In verse number 2, it says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Again, an issue of the doctrine is being dealt with here. He says in verse number 4, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Notice in verse number two, uh, verse number four, he says, "Neither give heed to fables." And now in verse number three, he closes out that verse by saying that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Christ, our hope, also in our calling. Our calling in life. Many of you might look at your life and say, hey, I haven't been called to do this. No, every single one of us has a specific calling on our lives. Every single one of us. You might look at your life and you say, well, I haven't been called to the full-time ministry. We addressed this this morning. Just because you haven't been called to full-time ministry or serving in a specific way in your church doesn't mean you don't have a calling on your life. You see, Christians, first and foremost, have a calling to live faithfully under the Lord. You see, that's our first calling is to live faithful. And hey, look, I, if I'm living faithfully unto the Lord, then I can be a faithful pastor. If I'm living faithfully unto the Lord, then I can be a faithful husband. I can be a faithful father and a friend and all of those many things. And sometimes we begin to, uh, we look at our lives and we begin to uh, place certain priorities. And so we say, okay, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, first and foremost, as a child of God, are you faithful to him? That is the first calling in our lives. And you think about that, and you think about what God has for you. Well, Timothy has a calling here. That calling is found in verse number 3. At the very end, he says, "...that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine." Well, have you ever been in, in your own life, you ever been uh, asked to do something, or it was the first time that you were given some, some kind of, I would say, uh, commands to do something a certain way, and you hadn't done it that way? And you say, you know, I've never done this. But the reason that you were going to try to do it is because you loved that person. You ever said that before? Listen, I I don't usually do this, but for you, I will. You ever said that before? Uh, Many husbands have said that to their wives. I don't usually do this, but for you, I will. It's the truth. And within Christian life, there are many times whenever we won't do certain things, but whenever we start to get a a right perspective, we might say, Lord, this is out of my comfort zone. But for you, I will. What did Peter say whenever the Lord said, hey, cast the net? We've been toiling all night, Master. We we know. Look, look, if there's ever been a fisherman that knows this area, it's us. Nevertheless, at thy word. Hey, because it's you, I'll do it. You think about that. In the Christian life, it's easy to accept the simple fact that God has called us on a calling and we have that hope which is in Him. Hey, when I'm serving, guess what? My hope is resting in Him that He can use me. It's not resting in my own abilities because if, without Christ, I have zero ability. Whenever, look, whenever God called me to preach, uh, I was like many, and this I think is, is a, lot of, a lot of preachers' testimony that, uh, you know, you're not necessarily one that is a, a, a speaker, a public speaker. I know for me as a kid, I was the shy kid growing up for the most part. The only time I was comfortable whenever I, was whenever I was playing sports. 
And even in school, I, you know, I wasn't the smartest kid. I wasn't, you know, the, the best student, all those many things. I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, always wanting to be the center of attention or anything like that. And so it, for me, public speaking was not something that I ever thought would take place. Matter of fact, whenever we traveled back to Indiana, uh, there was a teacher that we came in contact with. And this teacher was talking to my mom. And my mom had mentioned to her that, hey, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's a pastor now in, in Clarksville, Tennessee. And she said, no way. No way. He was always such a, a quiet kid. And I was. I was a quiet kid. But you know what? Then Jesus. And that's the testimony of every single one of us. Then Jesus. And you know where you want to find your hope is in Jesus Christ. He says right here, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. He's our hope and our calling. And then the final thing we see is this is something that I believe will shift our focus. Christ, our hope, he's coming again. He's coming again. Live with eternity in view. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Titus again, verse number 13 of chapter number 2. And this is a verse that many of you probably have memorized, or at least a portion of it, I would imagine, the first couple of words. Chapter number 2, verse number 13, Paul was used mightily in, in, in trying to address certain things. And in verse number 13, he, we see here that the Bible says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Hey, listen, He's coming again. Live like He is. Live with that joy that, hey, Christ, our hope is coming in. Hey, if you weren't a child of God this evening, then you wouldn't have that hope. But because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you do have that hope. It's a blessed hope. We find that in chapter number 2, verse number 13 of the book of Titus. And so as you think about Christ, our hope, and you think about all that we're trying to accomplish... We could really start an entire series on Christ, our hope, and the many things that we have hope in. And tonight, as we go to uh, the Lord in prayer here in just a few moments, we're going to place our faith in Jesus Christ in answering those prayers. Our hope is not in what the preacher can do this week. Our hope is not in what the, what the, what the, the camp staff can do this week as they're trying to put on the, the best camp possible. No, our hope is in Jesus Christ that Amen. He is going to do a work. And as we come to the Lord in prayer tonight, I want to encourage you as you think about just spending time in prayer for these young people. And in a couple of weeks, we have the juniors that are going to be going to camp. Uh, place your faith, place your hope in Jesus Christ and ask the Lord, Lord, do something miraculous. Do something special. You might be sitting here thinking right this very moment, well, it's just five days. What could God do in five days? Uh, well, we've all in our personal lives experienced what God can do in just one hour service. We've experienced what God can do as you sit down on the couch and read your Bible for 15 minutes. We've experienced what God can do many, many times in a 24-hour time frame or an entire seven-day week. And so as you sit there and you say, well, what could God do in five days? Well, I'm looking forward to these young people coming back from camp and telling all that God did do in five days. And I believe it could start tonight as we all as a church family place our hope in Christ Jesus and say, Lord, we want you to do something specific. Paul was sharing this with Timothy and simply helping him to understand, get your eyes off of yourself, get your eyes back on the Lord. And so tonight, may we all as a church family get our eyes off of ourselves, get our eyes off of our circumstances, get our eyes off of whatever the case might be, a distraction or whatever it might be taking place in our lives and say, Lord, help us to once again place our faith and our hope in you. Lord, we're trusting you to do the work. And so, Lord, do that work. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, as we now come to a time where we're going to spend some time in prayer with our young people, for our young people, Lord, we're asking you, we're begging you, we're pleading with you to do something. Lord, it's, it's an exciting time.
Lord, not only for these young people, but for their parents, for our church. And Lord, as we set aside some time specifically to spend time in prayer for these young people, I do pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Lord, that you'd meet with us. Lord, that you'd guide us and direct us. Lord, that you would just do a work in each of these young people's lives and their hearts, and we'll thank you for it. Speak to them individually, personally. And Lord, may we all have a spirit of yes already. Lord, a spirit of obedience. Lord, as we go to a church camp, I pray that you would help us, guide us, and direct us, and we'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we do pray.